Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Go here. Again, doing a solo episode, probably the last one uh, for a while that I'll have to do by myself. Um, Peter had a, a wedding ceremony that um, for himself uh, over the weekend, so um, he is actually out of town right now. But he will be back next week and presumably will be able to join us a lot more frequently over the summer. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, and here coming a day later because of Memorial Day and had a lot going on over the weekend uh, with that. And uh, also want to apologize in advance if there is any uh, slight um, dog noises or, or barks. Um, I, I'm tasked with uh, watching Peter's dog for the week. So uh, hopefully all goes well. Uh, but just want to apologize in advance in case we do encounter a little bit of that. Uh, Brewers had a pretty good week uh, over the past week. Started out with a four-game set against San Diego at home. Split with them. Padres were red hot going in. Uh, I think an 11-game winning streak uh, heading into the series. Brewers took the first one, uh, dropped two, and then walked it off in game four of that series. Exciting Jackie Bradley Jr. walk-off. Willie Adamas with an excellent game. I actually was able to go to that game in person. Uh, and that was a really fun game. And then Brewers swept the doubleheader on Saturday. Freddie Peralta, seven-inning complete game. And then shut the Nationals out on Sunday. Brewers then took the first game against the Tigers on Monday. Uh, here on Memorial Day as I'm recording this in the evening. Uh, so the Brewers have been doing pretty well lately on a four-game, five-game win streak actually now. Um, and have won uh, eight of their last ten. Um, something like that. So definitely trending upwards. Brewers doing much better than they were. Uh, last time we, we met, we uh, kind of talked about how they seemed like they kind of just barely squeaked out a couple wins against the Reds and had a pretty bad series against the Royals as well. Uh, but definitely looking better now. And Memorial Day is kind of the time when you start looking at the standings. So before Memorial Day, usually you kind of say, well, early on, a little bit too early to tell who's who, you know, kind of sorting things out. But there's kind of an old saying that you can look up at the standings finally once you hit Memorial Day. We've hit that date, so I think it's time that we do look at the standings a little bit more in depth. And just to look at the NL Central, right now Cubs Cardinals tied atop the division at 30 and 23. Brewers not far behind though. They're 29 and 25, a game and a half back. I know the Brewers run differential is a little bit low, but I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Brewers have had a couple just blowout loot losses where kind of just burned the pitching and went to some position players at the end of the game, like a couple terrible outings from Lynn Bloom, Bettinger. Uh, nothing really that I, I would be too concerned about. And that's really going to throw the run differential off. I mean, you take out like one game against, I think, the Dodgers and then the one against the Cubs. Um, and maybe even if you take out the top two, um, as far as the, the wins go, you're probably at a, a zero run differential. Brewers have been routinely uh, running uh, worse run differentials than their record is. You look at the past couple of years. Last year was a little bit of a, a more normal run differential, but also only a 60-game season. So, of course, we know not to put too much stock into that. But 2019, according to their run differential, they should have won 82 games, I think, and they won 89 
The year prior, they won 96 games. Their run differential uh, indicated they should have really only won about 87. And then 2017, they should have been about 500, and they won 86, 87 games, somewhere around there. So I do think that that is uh, credit to the Brewers' great back end of the bullpen that they have, of course, Josh Hader. Devin Williams has been struggling a little bit, um, but getting back to the, where he was uh, and still working out some things uh, in that setup role. Uh, out actually right now with a day-to-day injury. Um, and we had, we've seen, I think, Boxberger and Suter in uh, the last two nights uh, coming in in the eighth inning. Um, and then also because Craig Council, I think, is, is a very good manager. He's able to get the most out of his players and really win the close games, which is what I think is the difference between uh, the, the okay teams or just the mediocre teams and the good teams. And the Brewers have shown that they are a good team over the last four years now where they've been in contention uh, really every year up until the last point, even making the postseason a couple times or I guess technically three times if you include last year and falling just one game short of the World Series. So Brewers having a pretty good week, sitting in a pretty good spot in the standings. Uh, No huge surprises around baseball with the standings, I would say. Probably the biggest, I guess, would be the Giants. The Giants sitting with the uh, best record in the National League. Not expected to be that great going in, but they've seen excellent performances from Kevin Gosman and Alex Wood pretty regularly. Logan Webb, I think, also has been very good. It's been the pitching for the Giants that has carried them. Uh, another uh, a resurgent year from Buster Posey has also helped them a lot. Brandon Belt's been pretty good when healthy. So has Brandon Crawford. So Giants have been probably the biggest surprise. Um, the teams that weren't really supposed to be that good, Pittsburgh, Colorado, Arizona, not very good. The NL East is still just kind of taking shape. The Mets are at the top. They've actually done the best of any of the teams. Atlanta's been just okay, and Ozuna probably not going to be back this year. He had a, a couple broken fingers that he suffered uh, a couple days ago, and then news came out on Saturday that he had been arrested for uh, assault. And from uh, from the, the report, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back in a Braves uniform for sure this year. Uh, if not, maybe never in a Major League Baseball game ever again uh, because of his his actions that he did on uh, Saturday. So not a great situation there for the Braves or for Ozuna. And just a quick glance at the American League. Uh, things overall have shaped up as I would expect for the most part. Baltimore, as always, uh, has been terrible. 14-game losing streak. Uh, they're 17-37. and 37. The rest of the NL East is really, or excuse me, AL East has really been pretty good with four teams sitting above 500. Toronto still kind of getting going, I would say, um, but Yankees have been solid. Rays have been really good. The Central, the Twins have really disappointed this year. Uh, they haven't looked good. They've had injuries. I don't know if the Twins are going to make the playoffs this year. Of course, it's early to say, but nine games below 500, pretty tough division. Um, and and then the West, the A's, seemingly always at the top of that division. Uh, other than the couple of years with the Astros dominance, uh, but really the A's at the top. The Angels have been exciting, but inconsistent, and Trout is out now with injury, um, so a little bit tougher there for the Angels, even with uh, some of the otherworldly performances of the great Shohei Otani. So just wanted to get started by looking at the standings, kind of talk about where the Brewers are sitting and and some other guys around the league, other teams around the league, uh, before we get going with the rest of the episode. 
Uh, we actually do have a trivia question back for today. Uh, of course, there's nobody here to answer it. So it's going to be a trivia question for you guys to kind of ask yourselves, see if you can answer it. Um, and then, of course, I know the answer to it. So I'll reveal the answer to it at the end. The question of the day is this. Christian Yelich played in his 1,000th career game on Monday. Who is the only brewer to have eclipsed the 1,000 career game mark before Yelich? So who is the brewer who has played the most games at the major league level that is currently on the team? And this is games that are with any team, not just the Brewers. Um, so, of course, it's going to be a position player because pitchers don't pitch super often. Um, and, and, and which Brewer has played the most games in his career? We also have a random player of the day today. And it is former Brewers reliever David Weathers. We saw his son Ryan pitch four shutout innings against the Brewers on Thursday. In fact, I was at the game with my sister and I, I mentioned to her, uh, do you remember David Weathers? And, yeah. Uh, why, do you, why do you ask that? I'm like, oh, this is his son. And she didn't really believe me initially um, because uh, he didn't really retire that long ago. I mean, it has been 12 years now, but to be honest, it doesn't really feel like that long. Even I remember David Weathers a little bit. Uh, in his time with the Brewers. Now he's pretty young still at the time. But he was a pretty good young fireballer when he was with the Brewers in his first stint, 98, 99, 2000. A little bit of 2001. Was one of the more effective relievers on the team in that late 90s, early 2000s era with not a lot of talent in the ball club. Uh, he bounced around a lot of organizations. Ended up playing with Toronto, Florida, New York Yankees, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and then to the Brewers, and then back uh, to the Cubs, Mets, Astros, back to the Marlins, back to the Reds, and then returned to Milwaukee for a half year in 2009. Uh, he wrapped up his career at the end of that 09 season at the age of 40. So even though I, I don't necessarily think he had a, an outstanding career, he had a very solid uh, career that spanned from 91 to 09, uh, 19 years, average a 4.25 ERA, uh, and averaged about... I think about 60 appearances a year. Pretty solid, dependable middle reliever uh, that, that lasted a long time. So pretty good career overall. And his son, Ryan, is just 21 years old, I think. Um, so he's got a bright future ahead of him. He's a very good pitcher and certainly is exciting to watch for the Padres, especially when uh, they are not facing the Brewers. Ryan Weathers actually made his debut in the postseason last year um, and then has carried that into uh, 2021 where he's been very successful ERA in the mid ones uh, as a, a starter going about three, four innings, uh, maybe five uh, once or twice, but a pretty good uh, shorter stint starting pitcher, uh, kind of a new breed of pitchers. And I do think he will be a starter at some point, but so far he hasn't, he hasn't gotten that opportunity to be a starter uh, that they allow to go more like six or seven innings. And that's especially on a team that is, um, uh, that is, has a really good rotation and he's their five starter. So you're able to use that bullpen a little bit more freely with uh, a staff that features Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, uh, some of those guys that can go a little bit deeper into games. So David Weathers is today's random player of the day, the son of Ryan Weathers, starting pitcher against the Brewers back on Thursday. Brewers overall, though, had a good week. Going to break down the Padres series a little bit. Um, not in too much detail, but um, enough to kind of give a, a, an overview of what happened. Um, 
the series split, uh, I would say, was um, a pretty good outcome. Monday night, Brandon Woodruff uh, had a very good performance, seven shutout innings, really is establishing himself as one of the best pitchers in the National League. I don't think that it's really a bold statement at this point anymore to say that he is to that level, but the Brewers shutting down the Padres. Uh, really, the only hiccup was Angel Perdomo in the ninth inning, allowed the first three base runners to reach base. Hayter came in and was able to uh, keep the Padres at bay. Brewers scored five early runs off Blake Snell, knocked him out in the fourth inning already. So that was a, a good showing out of an offense that hasn't produced much and um, has, has really struggled. Uh, but against a good arm like Blake Snell, Brewers able to come through in game one. Game two, uh, they fell seven to one. Uh, of course, not as good of a game. Corbin Burns, um, just an okay start for his standards. Um, six innings, four runs. He only allowed two hits, but he also walked three. Yardley allowed a couple. Lindblom, two innings, one run. Lindblom was actually designated for assignment later on in the week. Uh, they are expecting him to accept his assignment to AAA Nashville. He'll get some work in there. Assuming he goes unclaimed off waivers, which I would say is pretty likely. Still got another year after this one on his contract. He's making $3 million each of the next two years, including, or excuse me, this year and next year. So Brewers like to keep that depth for Josh Lindblom there, but haven't seen good results at the major league level uh, from the former uh, KBO MVP. Uh, Wednesday's game, the Brewers fell 2-1 to one in extra innings. A little bit of a disappointing ending. Brent Suter came in in the 10th and allowed a run. Brewers unable to score off Mark Melanson. Uh, a little bit disappointing. Um, I, I think I want to say this was the Keston Hira um, being thrown out at home. Was that the case? Um, Yes, it was, because uh, that's right, Adamas hit a, a single to lead off the inning. Here wasn't able to score. It was a pretty shallow uh, single, not really one that you want to send him with nobody out. And then Jackie Bradley Jr. hits a, a grounder to second base. Cronenworth makes a really nice pick and a perfect throw to get Hira out at home. And then after that, Brewers unable to come through and tie the game. Fall 2-1, to one. and then a very exciting game on Thursday. 6-5 in, uh, in extra innings, walk-off, win, back-and-forth game. Uh, Hauser started for the Brewers, went, I think, five shutout, uh, and, and Weathers, like I said, went four shutout for the Brew- for the Padres, um, but the Brewers took uh, a lead in the fifth inning, scored a couple of runs uh, off, I think it was Nabil Krismat, uh, the relief pitcher, and then after coughing up a few in the sixth, uh, Trevor Richards allowed, uh, I think, a solo shot and a two-run shot or maybe something like that. Um, Willie Adamas came through in the bottom of the seventh with a three-run shot. Uh, Really exciting. An excellent game for Adames. He went four for five with that three-run shot. Also threw threw out the go-ahead run uh, in the eighth inning, it was, I think. Um, It was Eric Hosmer trying to score from first on a uh, double by Manny Machado. And Adames with a perfect throw right on the money to get Hosmer out. Kept the the, the, uh, the tie game intact. And then the Brewers came back and won it in the 10th off a of Jackie Bradley Jr. double. Uh, so that was exciting. Uh, great showing from Adames. And also, uh, it was a great great to see Manny Machado was booed fervently by the fans in his pinch hit opportunities. Had some nagging injuries, so he didn't start. But, I mean, guys booing him from the time he was on the on-deck circle. Uh, fans were really into it. 
uh, cheers erupting when he gets a strike or when he got got out. Um, it was it was uh, definitely an exciting uh, exciting sight, or uh, I guess more more like uh, exciting sounds, um, just to hear the booing for our beloved uh, Manny Machado, also known as probably the most hated um, player from the Brewers fan base. Freddie Peralta came into uh, Saturday's game. Um, already having a very good year, but he solidified his status as one of the better pitchers in the National League so far with a seven-inning complete game, uh, allowed just one run, 2.38 ERA now on the year for Freddie. Um, you have to think he's in a all-star consideration at this point. Um, it was great to see uh, Freddie do that, especially with a, a tax bullpen going into the game. Uh, they did have the rainout on Friday, uh, but still a little bit taxed going in. And then they took the uh, the nightcap 6-2. to two. Uh, Pretty good game there. Brett Anderson started for the Brewers in that one. And then Woodruff uh, started on Sunday and was really untouchable. The, a Woodruff-Scherzer pitcher's duel. Um, but obviously, Garcia was able to hit a, a two-run shot off Woodruff. Um, Brewers able to take that one 3 nothing was an excellent sweep of the Nationals. And then another walk-off on Monday, uh, Memorial Day against the Tigers. Um, and Corbin Burns started at a pretty good start. I think he went six innings, one run, two runs, um, one run. And Richards ended up uh, blowing the lead, tied it up in the seventh. Um, but then Suter, Hayter, Boxberger uh, come in and shut the door on them. Brewers able to score. It was a uh, walk-off hit from, um, who was it? I was watching it. Urias, that's right. Luis Urias uh, ended up with the walk-off. Um, that was an, a, a kind of a similar play to uh, the uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. walk-off, similar spot. Uh, so it was great to see the Brewers uh, take that one. And the Memorial Day um, victory actually reminded me of a game back in 2014. For some reason, whenever I see the Brewers on Memorial Day, I think of this one game, they were playing Baltimore um, back on Memorial Day of 2014, sitting in extra innings. This was back before the extra inning rule. Uh, and the Brewers were tied 6-all. K-Rod had blown the save in the ninth. And then Rob Wooten allowed a Nick Hundley RBI single, scoring J.J. Hardy. Uh, from Baltimore, and the Brewers had to tie it up facing Zach Britton in the bottom of the 10th. Uh, Scooter Jeanette hit a grounded out to lead off the inning, but Chris Davis hit a uh, single, um, and runner on first one out, Lyle Overbay walks, and Rob Luton's spot coming up, and Irving Falou pinch hits. Uh, quite possibly the most random brewer we've seen in a while. It got to be up there with the likes of... Uh, Edwin Masonette, Nevin Ashley, um, just a very random brewer, Irving Falou. I would always get a mix up with Hector Gomez. Uh, I think they were on the team at the same time. Um, but anyways, Irving Falou uh, comes up. It's a 1-1 count, and he grounds into a routine double play. 6-4-3, uh, and the Brewers lose. I remember being extremely upset with Irving Falou that day uh, after the Brewers fell to the Orioles. That was in their really good run uh, that they had early on in 2014, but Brewers weren't able to come through with the victory that Memorial Day um, with the Irving Falou double play to end the game. I'm sure many of you guys forgot uh, that name uh, from from the past. I think he was only with the Brewers back in 2014, just kind of a utility infielder. Played a little bit with the Royals a couple years prior, uh, and 
really didn't do much for the Brewers uh, other than, I guess, ground out uh, or ground into that double play to end the game against the Orioles on Memorial Day. Uh, so that was what, what today's game kind of reminded me of, uh, thinking of Memorial Day. Uh, but like I had mentioned earlier when we were recapping the games, um, I was saying Freddie Peralta is maybe one of the better pitchers in the National League. And I was kind of discussing uh, this with, with someone this past week, but are the Brewers, how many All-Stars are they going to have? Um, it doesn't seem like they're going to have any All-Stars on the position player side of things. Yelich has been hurt for a while, probably too long for him to really uh, come back enough to be good enough to be an All-Star unless he gets voted in by the fans, um, which I would think that the voting is going to be starting soon. Haven't heard anything about it yet, though. Um, even like Avisael Garcia, not All-Star caliber. Omar Narvaez, Probably not. He'd have to keep it up, and he'd have to get a little bit lucky with an injury replacement. Carson Kelly with Arizona um, will be an all-star, and uh, Buster Posey will be also two really good catchers in the National League so far this year. So I don't think Narvaez will be there, but the Brewers certainly have uh, some pretty good chances on the pitching side of things. Um, of course, we've talked about Brandon Woodruff. He has maybe been the best pitcher in the National League this year. Um, certainly one of the best uh I mean, you could say, I, I, I could see the argument for DeGrom. Uh, the, the one thing is that uh, Woodruff has pitched uh, relatively significantly more innings. Um, you, you compare the two, and Woodruff's thrown 71 innings, two DeGrom's 45. Uh, and I think that's a pretty big difference when you look at DeGrom's seven starts compared to Woodruff's 11. Right up there with Woodruff is Zach Wheeler, who has been very good also. Uh, and the strikeout numbers are similar. The walk numbers are similar. The only thing is Zach Wheeler uh, does have an ERA of 2.52 versus Woodruff's 1.27, which it leads the league among qualifiers. Um, at least Jacob DeGrom's is lower, but I don't know if he qualifies. Um, the Mets haven't played that many games this year. A lot of COVID cancellations early on. And then DeGrom missed some uh, some time with injuries. But either way, top two. Um, he's been excellent. Uh, you have to think Wheeler, Woodruff, DeGrom will be there. Kevin Gosman um, will be there from the Giants as well with the starting pitchers. Uh, unless, unless one of those guys really falls off uh, leading up to the All-Star break. Corbin Burns, I think, has really positioned himself well to be an All-Star again this year. Um, got a couple other names. Uh, Trevor Rogers with Miami has been outstanding. Hugh Darvish been very good with the Padres. Kershaw, uh, another very good year. Scherzer has been pretty good all year long with the Nationals. So a lot of guys up there. But Freddie Peralta, uh, I would say that he has a chance. I don't know how likely it is. You usually see eight starting pitchers in each league, and then you get to the injury replacements. Uh, because if a starting pitcher either is, has any sort of injury or uh, starts on the Sunday before the All-Star game, they become ineligible to play, and they are replaced by another pitcher. Um, it's possible Freddie Peralta will be one of those guys. Right now, Peralta's 12th in the NL in ERA with uh, pitchers with a minimum of 40 innings. Uh, so he's certainly up there. His strikeout numbers have been excellent. Actually has uh, the second highest strikeouts per nine rate among any of those pitchers. Uh, uh, actually, no, third, DeGrom and then Burns. And then Freddie Peralta with 13.18. Uh, so that's been outstanding for Freddie. Um, I, I don't know if he'll make it off the bat, but I do think it's pretty likely. We usually see about three to five guys 
who end up backing out of the All-Star game for one of those reasons. Could Freddie Peralta be a replacement if he keeps this up? Um, I think it's pretty likely. Uh, I, I, of course, we have to see how he performs in June leading up to the All-Star game, uh, but that would be quite the honor for a guy who's now been in the majors for a few years and is gaining his footing and has really steadily improved at each year that he's been at the major league level. It would be exciting to see um, three starting pitchers in the, the All-Star game for the Brewers. Uh, certainly haven't seen that happen uh, in a long time, probably, probably ever. I can't imagine the Brewers would have that. In addition to Josh Hader, I'm sure Hader will be in the All-Star game. So the Brewers could possibly have four All-Stars this year. We'll talk about that more, of course, later on. Uh, when we do get a little bit closer to the all-star game happening and i also am really excited for the home run derby this year uh, of course there was that controversy about um, being held in atlanta but now it is going to be held at coors in colorado uh, so hopefully we see a good home run derby hoping we get like joey gallo john carlo aaron judge that would be uh, quite the home run derby happening in colorado ball flying out with the thin air uh, that would be exciting. And I'm look, I am I always like the All-Star game. So I'm looking forward to having the All-Star game uh, once again after missing it last year. Another thing I was talking about uh, with someone recently that I wanted to highlight on the podcast this week is uh, the, the success of the Brewers' first round picks. Um, I think usually Brewer fans are like, oh yeah, we're terrible at developing players, especially pitchers. It's kind of been the, uh, the traditional saying that Brewers fans have kind of ascribed to that have kind of uh, talked about how the Brewers have struggled to really produce good players and good pitching. Um, and I, I was talking about it because I was thinking about the Mike Trout draft. The Brewers drafted Eric Arnett in 2009 and had a couple of supplemental picks and used them on Ken Trail Davis and Kyle Heckathorn, um, by no means uh, outstanding um, impact players. Neither of them ever made the majors either along with Arnett. Um, and I do think that that era with Bruce Side still as a scouting director and Melvin as the GM was uh, very bad as far as first round pick success. Um, we saw 2008, they were reasonably successful, Brett Laurie, Jake Odorizzi, um, both coming out of that draft. But then beyond that, Dylan Covey 2010 didn't sign. He's pitching actually in Taiwan now. We played a little bit in the majors for the White Sox. Taylor Youngman, Jed Bradley both made the majors. Uh, didn't really have a huge impact. Actually, I think Bradley's retired. Youngman pitched in the uh, NPB over in Japan as recently as, I think, last year. Uh, Jed Bradley, I, I think, is done. And then 2012, Clint Coulter, Victor Roche. Nothing really out of them. Mitch Hanniger, uh, he has been a solid player with the Mariners now for a few years when he's been on the field. And then another rough year, Cody Medeiros and Jake Gatewood. Uh, yet again, another rough year. Trent Clark, who is now known as Trent Grisham, has turned into a very nice player. And that was uh, the last first round pick, him and Nathan Kirby back in the Melvin era. Uh, and then you look at since then, Corey Ray was the first one. And he, of course, we talked about, hasn't really panned out. But Keston Hira looks like he's going to be a pretty good player for the Brewers. Of course, we haven't seen that this year, but I'm pretty confident that we will see that. And then Tristan Lutz was a supplemental pick that year. Seems like he could be like an average everyday outfielder. Um, hasn't, hasn't come through on that yet, but a, a high school outfielder, pretty raw. Uh, there's definitely the upside um, to like out of him. And then the last few years... Bryce Turang, Ethan Small, Garrett Mitchell, uh, three of their top five prospects in the organization. Could see Small this year, maybe Turang in case of an injury. Otherwise, I don't think it's super likely that we see Turang. 
Uh, it's also interesting to see if Turang really performs well in double A this year, gets maybe to triple A um, later on in the year. Well, the Brewers have a spot for him next year. Um, he He's a middle infield, their second base shortstop. But the Brewers have that locked down for a, the foreseeable future with Colton Wong, uh, Willie Adames, Luis Urias over there. Um, so will we see Turang? I'm not sure. I think it's possible that we, we see Turang actually dealt if the Brewers try to get someone to supplement the offense. Maybe Brewers go after a big-name third baseman. Um, this offseason or this trade deadline, Brewers choose to trade Turang. Um, maybe they decide to keep him. Maybe they try to move one of them over to third and have Turang at short. Um, but pretty good prospect. Ethan Small, I think, will be a, a solid three or four starter, um, and I think he'll be up at some point. If they need him out of the bullpen. I think he could be a factor later in the year. And then Garrett Mitchell, we're not going to see him this year, maybe at the end of next year, but looks like a pretty good outfielder and could play an impact. Um, now, how does this, this crop compare to other teams? The Brewers still have one of the weaker farm systems in the major leagues, although part of that is the last few years they've picked in the later parts of the first round. Uh, the Brewers have, I think, the 15th pick this year, um, so we'll see what the Brewers decide to do with that. The draft will take place in mid-July, uh, but you look at the Brewers roster, and the Brewers have actually really been better at developing picks beyond the first round. Brandon Woodruff was, I think, a seventh round pick. Corbin Burns, a, a fourth round pick. Um, I, I remember actually reading about how Burns was still untaken after the first day of the draft and that he might have been the best guy still available. Brewers took him. I was happy with that. And, of course, look what's happened now uh, with that. Um, even Devin Williams, second-round pick. Um, and that was back in 2013, uh, still under Doug Melvin. Probably the best pick of the later years there. Um, actually, no, I take that back. Woodruff, I think, was a 2014 um, seventh-round pick. Um, but the Brewers don't have a lot of homegrown talent on their team right now. And I think that the Brewers have been good at developing players, but I don't know that the Brewers have been good at drafting and developing players. It seems like the guys that they've drafted haven't really panned out. I think it's still kind of early on to say whether or not Stearns and, um, now their scouting director is Todd Johnson, um, who is, I think in his third year, fourth year, maybe as a scouting director, um, that they're I think it's a little early to say that they're good or bad at drafting players, but I don't know if I'd say that the early returns are super encouraging. Now, is that their fault? Is it their fault that Corey Ray hasn't turned out? Is it their fault that Keston Hira seemingly lost his ability to hit this year, or Tristan Lutz has taken a little bit longer than they would have hoped? Um, I don't. I don't know if it's their fault, but I think that the Brewers have been good at developing. Um, some of the later round pitchers, they've shown a knack for finding some steals. Even going back to um, the Melvin era, um, you look at Scooter Jeanette, I think a 19th round pick. Chris Davis, like a 7th round pick. Um, I think Mike Fires was also a later round pick. Um, those all in 2009. Uh, so, it's interesting. I don't know if I'd say the Brewers are, are terrible at developing talent because... They've even produced out of their farm system Hayter and Freddie Peralta, um, Adrian Hauser as well. But I think that the Brewers, really, the, the way that their organization has been run has kind of masked the issue of drafting and developing players. 
I don't know if it's quite as bad as some fans make it out to be, because I still think that they are successful in some areas, like we've seen them develop now a few high-end pitchers, which is extremely valuable. Probably the, the best thing you can have is high-end starting pitchers. But outside of that, the Brewers haven't developed like a good base of players, a good quantity of guys. And I think for the Brewers to stay competitive, they're going to need to do that a little bit better. Um, I think it's possible that we have the guys that they that, that, that they need for that in the organization already. Um, but I, I do think if the Brewers want to stay competitive in 2022, 23, 24, beyond, and not go through another rebuild, that the Brewers are going to need to rely on develop, developing, but drafting and developing some of the more position players and a little bit more depth. Some of the regular position players, some of the middle relievers and the back end starters, uh, but really highlighting on those um, everyday regulars, I think. So just wanted to take a little bit of a look into how the Brewers have fared as drafting picks, uh, especially first round picks, um, but draft picks overall, since we haven't really highlighted that uh, recently. And we will talk about it more um, as we as we look at the draft um, coming up in a little over a month. Uh, so, I mean, the Brewers really the only homegrown guys they have on the roster. Woodruff, Burns, um, Adrian, no, not Hauser. Hauser was uh, traded, they traded for Devin Williams. Um, so not a whole lot, uh, but just wanted to highlight that. Um, and before we go, we're going to go over the trivia question again um, and, and look at the Brewers week ahead. Um, so we are going to go through the, the answer for the trivia question first. Um, so as a reminder, the Brewers um, had Christian Yelich play his 1,000th career game at the major league level this year. Uh, who is the only Brewer to have eclipsed 1,000 games in his career previously? And this is at the major league level with uh, with all teams, not just the Brewers. So the answer to today's question is Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain made his debut with the Brewers back in 2010 and has played 1,081 career games over his career, mostly with the Royals, but some with the Brewers also, um, 2010, and then back in 2018, 19, uh, primarily. Uh, he is first, and then Yelich is actually second um, with, I think, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Colton Wong, third and fourth. A big drop, drop off after that. I, I'm not sure who comes after. Um, but kind of interesting uh, to see that Kane is the longest tenured uh, major league position player on the Brewers, um, played the most games. Uh, and I think the longest tenured active Brewer right now is Manny Pena, actually, who is, uh, I think he came to the Brewers in 2015, he debuted, um, and he will be a free agent after the year. So I'm not sure if if maybe Pena uh, is in his last year with the Brewers, um, but Pena certainly up there, I would think, with the, the number of games played. Um, but just looking ahead at the rest of the week, we saw the Brewers take the first game of the Tiger series, actually just a two-game set. Um, they are going to be playing tomorrow evening, 6.40 p.m. Um, at home, and then they have a four-game set at home against Arizona, um, June 3rd through the 6th, and a few promotions this weekend. It will be the first promotions that we've seen since uh, the end of the 2019 season. We've got the three quarters 1970s Brewers t-shirt uh, on Friday. We've got the Peanuts theme, theme night on, uh, on Saturday. I think like a Charlie Brown bobblehead, Brewers Charlie Brown bobblehead. If you buy the, the, the specific ticket package. And then we've got the Hank Aaron bobblehead on Sunday. Uh, so a pretty exciting weekend of giveaways. Uh, Brewers really should, 
probably go four and one for the rest of the the, the homestand here. Um, Tigers not a good team. Arizona not a good team, and they're playing terribly. Brewers have to really take three out of four from Arizona to keep up with the Cubs and Cardinals, or maybe even eclipse them. Uh, we don't really play Cubs and Cardinals that much. Um, we we played them a lot, I think, early in the year, like in April. Um, so with Brewers having an easy schedule, need to take advantage of it a little bit. Um, overall, of a pretty easy month, they play. Um, of course, Tigers, D-backs, and then they play six games against the Reds. They play seven games against the Rockies, another three against Arizona. Um, and then at the end of the month, they do play the Cubs. Um, but a pretty easy schedule. Hopefully the Brewers are able to be in first place at the end of June. Um, I, I think it's possible. I think the Brewers need to have a little bit more consistent production from the offense. But I think that we're starting to see that happen um, now going into the summer months. Uh, but I'm excited to see what the Brewers have in store. I do think they will turn things around a little bit even more. Um, they've had a good week, uh, pretty successful against um, the Padres and then the Nationals, a sweep and good start against the Tigers. Uh, hopefully the Brewers are able to carry that into um, this weekend against Arizona and then as they continue on with some easier opponents through June. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, tuning in to listen to our podcast. We enjoy making it. We're glad that you enjoy listening to it. Um, if you if you want, go to our uh, our Twitter page at Brewers Podcast. We've got um, a lot of stuff there. That's where we make our most of our um, posts. And then bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. Haven't put much on there lately, um, but if you still want to read about some of the guys, like I've featured Adrian Hauser, and I think um, there's another another player that I'm forgetting that I featured over the offseason about. Um, maybe see if I'm right. See if I'm right. See if I'm wrong. Um, I, I thought Hauser would turn it around this year, and I, I think he has, um, but I, I don't even remember, I guess, uh, what I said exactly in the article. So if you want to see uh, how reliable I am, go check out those articles predicting how uh, some of the guys would be this year. Um, but thanks again for listening, um, and, and as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there and interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.